This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? Still sick. It's uh, I'm not somebody who gets sick often, so this really sucks. Uh, I don't remember the last time I've been sick for more than like a day, and this is a four five days now not covid though so that's the nice part i can still smell and taste which is my greatest fear of losing those are you one of those people that they say hey i'm sick and i don't feel very well and they they don't take medicine or do you take medicine i don't i don't take my medicine very well goodness there are just two types of people in the world the people who take medicine to get better and the people that say i'm sick i have a cold or or something is wrong and i don't take medicine i just suffer yeah that's uh that's why i my fiance will tell me to uh take take the i don't know acetaminophen the nyquil the whatever I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Knock me out. Sleep in the world. I will say when I take NyQuil, because I, I get that cold every like once a year and it, it lasts about a week. And NyQuil gives me the best sleep in the world, but it gives me the weirdest dreams. So um, oh. if you decide to take what NyQuil, you'll, you'll get good sleep. But it does. Uh, it's it's kind of it's it's kind of messed up stuff. But I, to I completely can't to completely derail it. I feel like I get the weirdest dreams when I eat Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're putting in there. Could be NyQuil. <laughs> There's two things in life that give you a bad dream. Whoever um, took NyQuil and Taco Bell. So, I mean, you know, if you're out there and you you like, uh, <laughs> you like, uh, are you a Mexican pizza lover? Uh, I, I like the Mexican pizza. My main, oh, man, we are fully off topic. Yeah, Welcome, to the off season. Welcome to the off season. Uh, typically, I'm a cheesy gordita crunch guy if I go to Taco Bell. But if I have, I don't go there as often as it probably sounds like right now, <laughs> but I got the Mexican pizza when it came back. I was like, yeah, yeah, why not? It went away for like a month or something. And I don't even know if I went to Taco Bell during that time, but I was like, it's back. <laughs> it, um, their cinnamon twists are underrated. Yeah. And I feel like they've been that way for quite a while, but they have to be warm when they come out. So I'm, I'm really big on the cinnamon twist. I think those are good, but yeah, Taco Bell is good. And uh, Twitter, Twitter. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get to it right now. Earlier today, I put out a tweet. You know, it's off season. It's February 9th. We're getting into almost free agency, the NFL draft and OTAs, all that fun stuff. Contract extension talk now that the season is officially over for the Cincinnati Bengals. Having my nice cup of coffee this morning. I said, you know what? Cordell Wilson, he has to play better next year if he's going to be the starter. And Twitter was very 50-50 on that reaction. And I want to say a couple things when I tweeted that this morning. I think that the right tackle position and the left tackle position and the left guard position need to play better for the Cincinnati Bengals. They don't actually have a right tackle secured for week one, and Jonah has to play better. We've said that before. He is not perfect. And at the left guard position, Cordell Wilson had an okay rookie year. Um, when I say that, I, I don't mean that I don't think Cordell Wilson should be the starter anymore. I want to see more from this offensive line. When you go back to last offseason, I was okay with what the Bengals did when it comes to the upgrades that they tried to make. And they knew they had to after Joe's season in 2021. And even the Super Bowl was a magnifying glass on some of the issues that they really faced along the season and even in the playoffs with what was there. So I said that, you know, it was kind of a 50-50 reaction. There were a lot of people thinking I thought that Cordell Wilson should never step foot on a football field anymore. And that's not what I meant by that. I, I want to see better from him. It's going to be year two 
uh, for Cordell Volson, the left guard position. I want to see better from Jonah Williams. And the right tackle position, I just don't know who's going to be there right now with Lyle Collins coming from the ACL. And maybe they move on from him. Um, so I didn't mean it in a negative way. I know there are a lot of Cordell Volson fans out there. And believe me, the guard position has been brutal for, for a few years now. And I want it to be better, not counting Alex Kappa, because he had a, a great season at right guard. I'm really excited about his future in Cincinnati. But I just want the line to play better than it even was last year. And it was okay. It was enough for Joe. It was better than it was in 2021. I didn't mean it in a negative impact way, but that's just how I felt. Yeah, at its peak, it was probably around league average uh, when everybody was healthy and they were fully um, integrated with each other. But that's really a macro view. And the micro view is that even when they're at their peak, they still held back um, explosive run plays because they don't do a great job at blocking at the second level. And I thought even when Law Collins was playing his best, he still wasn't able to sustain blocks. And it seemed like a back issue. Like it's just his back would just give out type of situation there. So yeah, you need better play at right tackle, at left tackle and left guard. I think what you experience when talking about Cordell Volson is a difference between expectation mm -hmm. when you think about how people talk about Jonah Williams, because in a vacuum, just looking at how both those guys played, I thought Jonah Williams was better for the entire season. Um, there are moments where Volson was better games, but if you look at the season as a whole, I thought Jonah Williams was a better player. And I think, well, the one thing that shocks people is he led the league in sacks given up, but that's just, that's not a good measurement of offensive line play because PFF has to give those sacks to somebody and whether or not it's only Jonah Williams' fault doesn't matter. If he's the guy they charge it to, he's the guy they charge it to. Uh, whether somebody else gave up the pressure and Burrow slides into Williams' guy, that goes on Williams. So I don't think it's a good measurement. It's also luck-based because you could give up more pressures like an Orlando Brown and not give up anywhere near the same amount of sacks, just out of luck. So that that's just something I, I think we need to talk about. But yeah, neither one played that well. But when you look at the expectations, Jonah Williams, uh, first round pick, a guy who played pretty well his uh third years last year the year that you know it's weird to be in this situation where last year kind of feels like this year but I, what i mean last 2021 in 2021 he played pretty well he was i thought above average and i was kind of excited about what he could do this season in 2022 but then he started off very slow he got injured and never reached the level of play that you expect so when you're talking about expectations, he really failed them. I remember I wasn't fully there, but uh, there were like, I think Joe Goodberry had a whole string of tweets about like Jenna Williams' uh, track right now seems to be that he's going to be very good. But then you take the step back and it's no longer on that track. But a guy who developed like that in his uh, second full starting year, like he did, I thought there was reason to be excited. He played all the games, but then this year happens and he was a letdown. But the difference is he was a letdown. He still played at a probably about a league average level where I think Cordell Wilson was slightly below that. And the thing is, you came into the year thinking, well, as long as Cordell Wilson isn't terrible, this is a win. He's a late fourth round rookie from North Dakota State, an FCS school. If he can play at a starting level, that's fine. And he did. I think he might have been below average, but it's still starting level play. You expect more because you don't want that guy to consistently be your fifth out of fifth starter. You know, you're, um, I don't know, I'm not going to give a name, but, you know, a guy that he's the weak link. You want him to play better and lift the tide. Uh, I don't think he even was the worst starter, but I thought he played at a below average level. And that's, uh, you want him to play league average because if your worst starter is league average and then you've got guys that are above average and Kappa and Karras, then you're playing you're the not only is the floor lifted but now you can raise the ceiling because your weak links even stronger so that is uh that is all my thoughts on this i think you can upgrade left tackle left guard and right tackle the only need is right tackle because you just have no idea if collins is able to even go but just if an upgrade presents itself for either left tackle or left guard and the thing is left guard it's easier to find those upgrades because they're cheaper both in the draft and in free agency so if they just present themselves if uh <clears throat> And I thought of this example, which is actually a setter, but you can kick Karras to left guard. But I'm not saying it's going to happen. It definitely won't. 
but just theoretically, Jason Kelsey, they have his replacement, and he goes, well, I just want to play one more year in Ohio, and I want to try to win another ring. And he off, he's like, hey, Cincinnati, if you pay me a, whatever, I'll play. Yeah, you sign Jason Kelsey, and you move Karras to left guard, and Volson is now your backup. Like, you don't – that's that's the thing I think we're talking about when you're talking about an upgrade is if one of those guys falls to you, they, they just fall into your lap. You just take it. He's, his name's not written in Sharpie. It's written in pencil. And this is true for the draft too. If you get to the second round and or third round and a Steve Avila or a Cody Mach or uh, somebody like that, I haven't watched these guys. I know they're the big prospects or Cyrus Torres. These are the big prospects on the interior. If one of those guys falls to you and you love them, you take them. And now you have a competition at left guard and whoever it is, the backup is probably going to be better than what you had last year. If it's Cordell Volson, it's definitely better than what you had last year. And if it's a high, caliber draft pick it's probably better than what you had last year backing it up in sharpen who i thought was an okay backup if he was the only one that had to play but he wasn't so that's my long thoughts on this debate that has gone on too hard i just don't think twitter is the place for nuance to discuss discuss this at all 200 character limit unless you're playing paying elon the money uh to have four thousand characters and then nobody reads what you say so yeah i just it's not a place for nuance but the the nuance is basically yes cordell volson was fine you want better play and i think that you should expect better play he was a rookie so he probably improves right but what if he doesn't and then you have a competition there where if he doesn't improve and this guy's just better now you have better depth and a better piece that's that's just my thoughts on it well, now you have Jason Kelsey coming to Cincinnati in my head because that Sorry. would be that would be fun. That'd be sick. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine Jason Kelsey? I'd be here for all the game day intro to the stadium outfits at this point. Uh, but Jason Kelsey on this offensive line, I'm I'm now now I might have to hope this happens. And of course, Ted Karras on the line, Jason Kelsey. But I think you could bring up a great point. Obviously, some things you just can't really put out there on social media and just kind of have a thought about it or a conversation. Uh, but did I just wanted to add to that, you know, conversation when I did mention that earlier. Um, you know, some people felt a certain way. And look, I hope in, in September or even when training camp gets here that maybe there is battles with the offensive line because I want the best five guys out there. And if you have depth, great. And if Cordell Volson is starting in September and he has himself a year or two, I am all about it. I want this guy to work out uh, because you have other positions that you want to pay. I'm still hopeful that they can get a T Higgins and Joe Burrow deal done this off season. And that's where I want my money to go to. Um, I, I don't want to go out and pay a bunch of free agents a, a top dollar when it comes to the offensive line. Um, maybe you do have to look into the right tackle situation. It is very similar to a Lyle Collins where it's a two year, uh, one year guaranteed two years incentive um, not guaranteed your two deal for your right tackle. I, I mean, a, a rally reef situation that they've been through before. Um, we don't know what that looks like, but yes, there are about three positions that you just want, you want to see, you want to see better from. I think you, you put it um, perfectly when you said the expectation um, situation with Jonah Williams and Cordell Volson. And yeah, it is kind of crazy to look back on Jonah Williams 2021 season and be like, Oh, I can't wait to see what he does at left tackle, what that's going to look like. And then you go into this off season and a lot of people want him to be on the bench and, and don't want him starting. And the thing is you, you picked up his option. I'm not saying because the team's paying a bunch of money, he's going to start, but the expectation is Jonah Williams is going to start. And I want at this moment, I want him to be better, but, I mean, I think he's your best option at left tackle if you're not bringing in another free agent. If you are, I feel like you're swinging him out the right tackle. Yeah, I'm not a proponent of really moving him at this point because it's just been like eight years since he played right tackle. Yeah. Uh, if it happened early in his career, maybe. But uh, he's just entrenched at left tackle. My thoughts on Jonah Williams are nobody I – th- I feel like nobody ever – and this fits for Volson too. We don't discuss the middle ground of these players enough where everybody's either great or terrible or he's, he's, he's awful. You know, like I see that so often with Jonah Williams. It's like, we've seen awful tackle play the Bobby Hart's the, um, remember when they put Andre Smith, remember when they put Andre Smith out at left tackle when he was washed, <laughs> he never played left tackle before to start the season against the Seahawks. That's awful. Like that's awful. Jonah Williams hasn't been awful. He's in the middle ground, whether that's a little below average, a little average, or a little above average. And really, you know, 
you could debate that. I think he's about average. He's definitely not awful. He's definitely not great. He's about average. And you need those guys. You need those guys because even on offensive lines like the Eagles, Isaac Salamalu is about average. But because everybody around that offensive line is pretty much awesome, (laughs) that it feels like he's so much better than that. But when everybody on your offensive line isn't that awesome to raise the tide, when you're not playing in between two Hall of Famers and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, uh, your average gets a little picked apart gets picked apart a little bit more. So I think that's just something we need to have the discussion on where these average guys are kind of what makes the offensive line. Like you have your good players, your just say Ted Karras and Alex Kapp are your good players, right? That those guys are locked in. They're good. You have average guys as well. And those guys are going to make up the majority of the line for most teams, not the Eagles, I guess, but for most teams that makes up the majority of the, the meat and potatoes of the offensive line are these guys that are limited. Sure. He's not Trent Williams. He's never going to be Trent Williams, but he's fine. And I think that's just something we don't discuss enough is the middle ground of these players where Volson kind of fits that too. He's right now in the middle ground. He's on the lower end of the middle ground. I think if you ask him for my personal evaluation, and that means, yes, you could probably get a slight upgrade. If it falls to you, I don't think you have to search for it. I don't think you have to search for an upgrade at left tackle or left guard, right tackle, maybe, but those switching, you don't have to search for it, but if something falls to you, you're not, you're not stuck well, we've got Volson, so we can't do that. I think that's, I think the discussion, the nuance of this whole debate is just basically, yes, Volson's fine and he probably should play better next year. But if something presents itself, you take it. Yeah. And I feel like we'll get a sense of where this team feels like they're going and, and they give you time to develop. Uh, this team isn't moving on from Cordell Volson at the left guard right. position, but I think in free agency and uh, in the NFL draft, it's going to be more depth for the offensive line and, and really where they're looking and look, it could be a developmental piece. I've said before on the podcast, they have to start looking at the future of the left tackle position soon this off season going into next year uh, with this more than likely being Jonah Williams last time at left tackle last year, at left tackle. All right, we're going to move on to some really optimistic news. T Higgins, Jamar Chase uh, saying everything the Bengals fans want to hear at Radio Row while uh, they're getting ready for the Super Bowl weekend. Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles will have a prediction to score later on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on it's always game day in Cincinnati. A lot has happened in seven days when it comes to T. Higgins, the wide receivers, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. How's this team going to pay all these players? To a little bit of optimism, uh, Radio Row was happening in Phoenix, Arizona this week, and Jamar Chase, T. Higgins out there. I think they're sporting Pepsi, Old Spice, getting those interviews in with a lot of the NFL networks. And, of course, they're going to be talk- talking about their future in Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, the contract. 
um, wanting to be here in Cincinnati. And I think Jamar Chase's quote really got a lot of Bengals fans excited. He said the other day on NFL Networks, it was actually on Wednesday, that Joe Burrow knows how he wants to set up his contract to keep his weapons around him. And he says that Burrow's contract will work itself out. We've heard from plenty of Bengals fans and they said, well, what if he worked it out like a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady and he's able to get the wide receivers paid and maybe it's an eight to 10 year contract, uh, depending on what the outlook of that would look like. What did you take away from Jamar Chase's comments yesterday? Yeah, there's multiple ways to look at it. Um, I think one could be that the long term deal where you're still probably setting the market, but you're doing it over such a long period of time that it ends up working out to being a pretty favorable deal for the team. When you look at Patrick Holmes deal, it ends up being favorable for the team. It's 50 million a year. Yeah. Guys are going to push over that because the cap expands and now you have guys that are going to push for 55, 56. Eventually they're going to push for $60 million a year. And you're, you've got Mahomes locked in at 50. So you've now got a bargain that one of, if not the best quarterback in the league, doesn't cost us the most in the league. He's not re-upping his contract every other year. When you look at Burrow, that's one way you think about it. The other is maybe he does the Tom Brady type thing where he doesn't take as much money, but I don't want to put that on him because that's just, in my mind, he's very competitive. He probably wants the biggest contract in the league just as a symbol of like, yeah, I'm the best. Maybe he doesn't care as much about it. We don't know. We don't know him enough to say either way i'm not gonna blast him for either one he could help the team or he could you know i'm never against a player trying to make their money so if he wants to make his money and there's a way to tetris this situation to have his contract hit the, these years and the wide receivers contracts hit early or something i don't know but that's just uh that's my thoughts on the Joe Burrow. How can he make this work for everybody? I think you could take that two ways. And the third way is probably just Jabbar Chase going like, please. <laughs> it's less about, you know, I think Joe Burrow's going to do this. And he's more like, please, Burrow, let me keep T on the other side. <laughs> yeah, no. And we actually talked about it right when the season ended. We were talking about the core of this team. And we mentioned T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow. And I think a lot of people, maybe even going into the season, thought, how in the world are you going to pay T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow? I think Bengals fans, I think people outside, you could say the national media, local media, everyone involved when you think of the outlook of how they're going to be able to pay superstars. And I've always just kind of felt optimistic because I felt like the Brown family made a lot of surprising moves last offseason. And by surprising, just stuff that they've never done before when they sold the stadium name. Um, that's different for them. And and they're getting money off of it. There was jokes that it's Paycor, Joe Stadium. It's Paycor Stadium. And it, it makes sense all the money you make from that. The gates, the sponsorships behind the scenes. They have the bubble. They're going to have the practice facility. And, and that's all getting sponsored. So I do think a lot of things behind the scenes, they were getting ready for what was going to happen after the, the season three for Joe Burrow. And you could even say T. Higgins, Logan Wilson, other guys that they're going to end up paying. Maybe not everybody this offseason. And, and maybe it's more of next year um a lot of players are like i don't want to play on that um that that year contract where i'm only making four million dollars when i can get an extension and you know t higgins i feel like is a little bit different we haven't heard t higgins um say too much about the contract until yesterday when he said you know he'd like to be or till today and he said he'd like to be here for the long haul um he likes what's happening in cincinnati and that's always awesome you want to hear from your wide receivers at the same time i agree with you I think Bengals fans win that contract is official. And I do feel like it's going to be this off season because the Bengals want to get it done. Joe wants to get it done. I want everyone to not freak out when they see the number and think, well, how in the world are they going to pay him? Or, you know, maybe it is kind of friendly how it is put together and it's kind of a Patrick Mahomes types, but it's definitely going to be more than what Patrick is making just because of that's what the quarterback market is now. But understand Joe deserves every dime. Um, you know, it's exciting to hear these players talk about that and you want to keep Jamar and, and T together. But also, I've said it before, Joe took this team in two full NFL seasons of his, not counting his rookie year, to the Super Bowl and an AFC title game. And I know a lot of franchises would say, he didn't get you a Super Bowl ring. He didn't win a Super Bowl ring. You're okay with doing that. Did you see where this franchise franchise was before that? Um, it was a huge deal if they could win a playoff game. And now it's the expectations to play in AFC title games in back-to-back -back years. And I do think they can do more. Um, so I, you know, I'm optimistic that Joe is going to get paid 
a big, huge number this offseason. But I do feel a certain way and maybe a little different and optimistic that they're going to maybe be able to pay T. Um, they, they value the wide receiver position and the quarterback position more than any other. Yeah, and like we've talked about, when you think of the Bengals' blue chip talent, it's the three guys. It's Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, obvious two. Who's the third guy? Both of us, it's T. Higgins. Maybe you try to argue it's Logan Wilson or somebody like that. But that, look, in my opinion, T. Higgins is a just he's a better player than Logan Wilson at their respective positions. It's, it's fine to, you know, argue about, well, now you don't have a guy on defense that you're for sure going to pay all these other things. What's the, all that to me, you pay your blue chip talent. That's unless you can't, unless, unless it really causes an issue of you have so many guys that you can't pay them, but I don't think the Bengals do. Cause when you think about all their talent, a lot of it is, these guys are really good at their role or they're very good starters, but it's not somebody you need to pay. I guess DJ reader would be a blue chip talent, but he's also nearing 30. Although I would probably still extend him because I think nose tackles age well. Uh, so yeah, it, it, I think you pay your blue chip talent and you figure the rest out. That's what I would do. And T Higgins is one of the three blue chip talents, young blue chip talents on the team. Would you, well, of course you're going to probably say yes, but when you look at how you're going to get these contracts over this offseason and next year, I think the main focus, um, I, I do feel like it's a different position than Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson, they never gave him a real nice supporting cast. And that's unfortunate. And, you know, I feel like these are two different situations, but me personally, I think Joe's gets done this offseason. I don't think it's something that rolls into next year. And I, I would, wouldn't be surprised if it gets all the way to right before training camp and it's not done. They do like to get their deals done during training or right before training camp starts. So um, that wouldn't be too surprising. But do you think that they can get T and Joe done this offseason? I think they could. Yeah. Um, I think they're just going to focus on Joe for the most part early on until that's done. You're probably getting a feel for what T wants and whatnot, but you, you focus on burrow because you're going to make everything work off of that you're not going to make burrow work off of higgins or wilson or whoever um so yeah to me i think there's no issue in being able to extend both this offseason the only question i guess would be the amount of cash they have and how much they have to spend but that's why you sold the stadium I would love to know more of the numbers behind the scenes and how much money they were making off of uh, the different gate numbers and um, the stadium name altogether. It just for me personally, I think there's a reason it happened last year. Um, it wasn't right away when Joe uh, was drafted and it just made sense to kind of build off of that this whole entire year. And this team made money last year when this team went to the Super Bowl. So all of that is just for the future of what you're going to get with Joe Burrow. Then it gets into the, the following season where you could end up extending T Higgins or you do the franchise tag and you talk extension with Jamar Chase. Um, so it, it's kind of into those conversations. Do you try and get both done this off season or do those talks just really begin with T Higgins agent going into next off season and trying to get it done. So, you know, I feel like there's a lot of optimism and, you know, it's really cool. One of my favorite things, and I've said it before, there's people who come to town, um, Ty Dunn, he actually writes for Go Long, and he always has a lot of good feature pieces, and it's just one of my favorite NFL writers. And he had asked me, he was coming into Cincinnati, he's like, what's a what's a good storyline with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and, and Tyler Boyd, or something with this offense? And then he was asking me in September uh, that I could write about, and I was like, honestly, I think it's their friendship. I think the way that these guys are, the way they play together on and off the field, it's, you know, really cool to see. We, we saw it at the Pro Bowl last week, having uh, Tyler and T in the stands watching Jamar Chase. And he was the first one that went over there when he threw the ball to T. And I think that stuff matters. They're always together. And, of course, the paycheck is going to matter. And I still think the Bengals are going to pay both of them. Um, but I, I think just kind of their connection relationship that you see on and off the field is huge for this team too and what they have with Joe Burrow. Yeah. Um, the only thing is giving me pause on the whole friendship thing is it feels like Bates and Burrow are pretty good friends. <laughs> they are. They are really good friends. They on are. On the UFC so events great. together. And I think they had another picture together. They <laughs> did. They're hanging out. So that, yes, they are very good friends. And I think that does help things. Um, does not mean the world because it Bates doesn't. is not coming it back. 
it doesn't but i do feel like this is this is a different situation because of the position and 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 that has been brought up with the with the jesse bates situation when it comes to money and they're like well they they could they wouldn't pay jesse bates and he has his agent how are they going to pay t higgins and i think it's just different positions that this team values um i would say i feel a little better about what they're going to be able to do and i i never really doubted that they couldn't pay all three of them um i was just leaning towards i'm like oh it'll probably be joe and jamar we'll see what t i'd really like it to happen but I don't know. I feel a little different about the situation and, and more optimistic that all three are going to get done on offense. No reason not to be optimistic until we start getting reports about uh, uh, when you start getting the T asking price is too high and then T fires back. Like they're not offering me the guaranteed money I'm looking for. You know, just the Jesse Bates whole thing, just playing back out. <laughs> I don't want to relive that, honestly. That was two long years of all of that. And the, the thing is, Jesse's going to get paid. It's just it's just not going to be in Cincinnati. I want to bring up Tyler Boyd because that is a conversation. I think a lot of people are like, well, if they bring T back, are they going to find a way to keep Tyler long-term? And obviously, Tyler's getting up there. He's going to get up there in age. What do you think the outlook looks like for Tyler Boyd with this offense? I think um... – as long as his contract is what it is, I think he's here. I do think there is a big question over whether he gets another deal. I don't, I, I would say no. I think if, especially if you pay T, if you pay Jamar and you pay T, you're probably not playing, paying Boyd as well. Heck, you have people saying they won't even pay Jamar and T together. They definitely won't pay all three. Um, I do think they'll pay two, but and I think it'll be Jamar and T. So. He's also nearing that age where you don't know if you want to give that deal back out. Uh, the Bengals seem to be loyal, yes. Uh, they also – I mean, when you look at it, they've done it before, but I just – I feel like they have the talent in there that they will probably let him walk and try to find a replacement uh, after his contract is up. Yeah, I, I wonder what that looks like this year because, again, you're thinking ahead when it comes to the wide receiver room and the weapons. We already went through that last year right before the trade deadline when Jamar was out for a few games. You know, who's going to step up? Luckily, Trent Irwin did. You have Trent Taylor. But I would still say in the wide receiver room right now, it's not going to be in the first round, and I doubt if it's going to be in the second round just due to this wide receiver class. But I think it's important to start looking at wide receiver weapons. Maybe it's in the middle of this draft coming up or it's a free agent no big name it's not going to be obj and i don't think they're going to bring hotel beckham jr in or anything crazy like that but i think it's important to kind of look at that fourth wide receiver and that's still something that i feel like this team needs to address yeah and i think something they could be looking at if they're looking for the future of tyler boyd they might get a guy that might be a little bit undersized or a guy that can just play the slot because those guys are easier to find in those middle rounds than guys that can win on the outside where you would have to replace a t higgins so we'll see um i do think they could use another talented wide receiver you could always use more of those but I think it's more of a future thing than it is an immediate thing, especially because Trent Irwin seems like he could step into anybody's role and play it at a adequate, uh, you know, let's solid level. I'll never forget the Kenny Galladay hype train. Kenny Galladay. Galladay. That was wild to think about going into the Jamar Chase draft that, I mean, it was going to be the end of the world if he didn't play here. And that was probably the best decision. And I honestly don't think the Bengals had any interest in that situation. I think that was more of a social media hype than it was with anything on, on the Bengals side. But I think it worked out just fine for him getting Jamar Chase with that fifth pick. Kenny made his money and uh, doesn't have to do much. Good for him. I mean, we support getting paid on this podcast. So <coughs> the players are getting paid, uh, but but all good. But yeah, optimistic stuff. Um, I'm actually pumped to get into free agency and hopefully we see a couple contract extensions happening over the next few months. But next we got to talk Super Bowl because it is Super Bowl weekend and a look ahead to the Hall of Fame night. Again, we are recording this on a Thursday before everything is final. Ken Riley, Willie Anderson both have a shot to get into the Hall of Fame this year next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Again, we are recording this on a Thursday, and it's about an hour and 20 minutes before the honor ceremony, the NFL honors, where they announce all the 2023 awards and the 2023 Pro Football Hall of Fame finalists and nominees, all of that fun stuff. Who is finally in? Ken Riley, Willie Anderson are currently up to get into the Hall of Fame. And uh, how are you feeling about it, Mike? I feel pretty strongly that Ken Riley will get in. I don't feel good about Willie Anderson's chance. Um, and it has nothing to do with Willie himself, but everything to do with, they seem to just put in one offensive lineman if they're going to do it. And it's Joe Thomas's year. So you've got, <laughs> that's going to probably be who makes the hall of fame for the offensive lineman. I would love if Willie got in and he fully deserves it. I think he deserves it over probably guys that are going to make it over him, but where they are, I think it'll be Ken and Willie's waiting another year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing right now, and, and I felt like this just with the whole Ken Riley situation, I think it when it's final and if Ken gets in tonight, that it's a little bittersweet um, that he never got the chance to see himself get in the Hall of Fame. I feel like this was a miss when it comes to Hall of Fame voting. Uh, look, a lot of these guys are deserving when they get voted into the Hall of Fame, but it's just really unfortunate that it did take so long for this to become final. And obviously we'll be excited for Ken Riley's family. Um, what a, what a, an amazing achievement. And it's kind of crazy to think that the Bengals will finally, if Ken or Willie Anderson get in, they'll finally have another guy in the hall of fame. I mean, it's only Anthony Munoz and I don't know if you agree with me, but, and, and there's a lot of bias and some would say it's a little Homer, but I feel like the Bengals have more than one player in the past that, that are hall of famers that haven't been voted in. Oh, I feel like they have the best quarterback, not in the hall of fame and Ken Anderson. They've got the best corner and not in the hall of fame and Ken Riley. They've got the best offensive lineman, but really right tackle, not in the hall of fame and Willie Anderson. And, um, yeah, that's uh that's that's a few guys. They might even have the second best quarterback not in the Hall of Fame in Boomer Esiason, right? So you, that are eligible. Like, yeah, Peyton Manning is what I don't wait. Anyway, uh Drew Brees, those guys, yeah, like they're not el eligible. So um yeah, I, I feel like they've got guys that deserve it, but it feels like every coin flip they've had hasn't made it. It just feels like they flip the coin and it just never turns over for them. It's always, well, just outside, even though they are Hall of Fame talents. And you can make whatever argument for that, but they are one of the few teams to have make two Super Bowls and only have one uh, Hall of Famer. And one of the things that I always hear is because they didn't have that success or this team has never won a Super Bowl and things like that. I mean, we talk about a lot of guys who are in the Hall of Fame and they didn't have that postseason success. And I think the franchise, I don't know if it's like looked at it a certain way and, and maybe that's just because you're around it or I'm around it. And it just feels like a lot of people are missing out on, on these guys. And it's just they should have been voted in a long time ago. I think you could make the case that Willie Anderson should have been voted in a long time ago. And, and there's another chance that he could miss this year if he doesn't get in tonight. And it's just an unfortunate situation. And I don't think that stuff should have anything to do with it. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing is, I thought Willie should have made it last year over Boselli. Uh, he had better longevity. And when you look at what right tackles have to go through to earn their accolades versus left tackles, it's, it's so much harder. Willie Anderson is the only, I believe, multi-first-team All-Pro right tackle since uh, Jackie Slater. In the he's basically they changed it to allowing right tackles to win All-Pro. Like there's now a right tackle, but it used to be offensive tackle. And he played in the era of Orlando Pace, Jonathan Ogden, Willie Rofe, you know, just Tony Boselli, all Hall of Fame talents. And he was still winning these first team operas as a right tackle when a right tackle got discriminated against. There's no other way around it. They, they, the reason Willie didn't win a ton of all pros is because they would say, well, he wasn't protecting the blind side, right? Tony Boselli wasn't either. Their quarterback was left-handed, but you know, we know how these voters are. <laughs> they don't care. They see left tackle blind side. They don't think left tackle. Oh, but that quarterback's left-handed. So actually the right tackle is blind side. They don't care. Um, Tony Boselli's great. But Willie Anderson, in my opinion, and I think when you look at the accolades and statistics about it, he was the best right tackle of his entire generation. He wasn't one of the best. He wasn't, you know, he was the best right tackle since Jackie Slater. And Jackie Slater, I believe, is the only other modern right tackle in the Hall of Fame. I, I could be wrong on that. I'm trying to make sure. He, I think he's the last right tackle voted into the Hall of Fame. 
And uh, that's just, it's so tough as a right tackle. So we have right guards don't have that issue. Right guards can make the Hall of Fame, but right tackles just have had such as until recently when they made the right tackle its own all pro, such an issue getting the accolades and recognition to make the Hall of Fame. But when you look at it, Willie Anderson, only first team all pro, multiple time first team all pro of what the from Jackie Sawyer retired probably around like 85, somewhere around there. From the 90s to 2000s, only time, only for two time plus multi-time first team all pro it's just, it's tough he's the best modern right tackle since jackie slater but and when you think of hall of fame talent you think of well who was the best and it was him so it stinks he's probably not making it again this year but he has a strong case and i think he will eventually get in it's just the hall of fame has had such an issue with right tackles i think that people are going to keep making stronger and stronger cases i think pff has always been working on trying to map out his career with pff grades because when you look at his last season was in the top 10 for right tackles all time that they've looked at and that was his last year when he was probably at his worst <laughs> it wasn't his prime so if they go back and grade the other ones i'm sure you'll find that you know he's got some of the greatest seasons of all time for a right tackle a lot of them uh at least for the modern era so just giving my whole thoughts on the matter i think he definitely deserves to be in but hey ken riley is probably getting in uh and that is exciting i know it's he won't be there to accept it but it seems like his son is very involved with all of this and it's deserved he's top five all time in interceptions um similar to willie didn't get the accolades he deserved three-time all pro but two of those were second team he only had one year where he had less than two interceptions the entire season. And then when you look at um, the playoffs, in seven games he had three interceptions. So nearly every other game he had an interception in the playoffs as well. So he stepped it up in those games as well. Yeah, it'd be really cool tonight to hear another Cincinnati Bengal as a Hall of Famer, a huge moment for the franchise. And next, let's talk Super Bowl predictions, the fun part. Um, it would be better if Cincinnati was playing in it, but they are not. It is Kansas City and the Philadelphia Eagles. Will Kansas City get Super Bowl number two with Patrick Mahomes? I know it's three. Believe me, I hear on social media they have two Super Bowls right now. Len Dawson was going to let you hear it. You know what? I will say that that fan base pretty much only takes credit for the one with Patrick, but, the, but they'll let you know that they have two rings. Um, really, 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 really quickly. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Nick, producer Nick, where are you? You're going to make predictions. Where's with Nick? Uh, hot take about Super Bowl four. Curly Culp should have been the MVP, the defensive tackle, not Len Dawson. I mean, I Scorching hot 1960s football takes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes' parents weren't even alive the last time Kansas City, well, the first time that they won a Super Bowl before Patrick Mahomes. Uh, let's get to it. Philadelphia, Kansas City. It's in Arizona. What is going to happen? Mike, I'm going to start with you. Nick, you're next. Ooh, I think this is really interesting um, because you've got so, – I think some of it comes down to how healthy can Mahomes get. Uh, this Eagles team is the most talented team in the NFL, I believe, but the Chiefs have an upgrade at the most important position at quarterback. And if they can leverage that, win a game, I could see it. I think the Eagles win. Uh, I think they're going to be able to run the ball. I think they are going to do just enough on defense. I don't think Mahomes is going to be fully healthy. I think we saw him try in that AFC Championship game, and you could see the lack of mobility at times. I know when it really mattered, push came to shove. He was able to run and pick up that first down, but you also saw him unable to move that well and kind of re-aggravated at one point. So, yeah, I, I think the Eagles are able to pull this out. I will say I am a little nervous on that prediction because I don't think Jalen Hurts looked that good in his championship game. I think his shoulder uh, affected him a bit. So if his shoulder really limits their passing game, I still think they'll be able to run the ball. But can you win the Super Bowl without being able to pass the ball very well? I'm not sure. And you want to be able to test this Chiefs defense through the air down the field. We saw T. Higgins and Jamar Chase both make spectacular dunks down the field and you want to give aj brown that shot right you want to give devonta smith those shots so i lean eagles i would not be surprised if the chiefs won i do think that the eagles offensive line is going to be an issue for the kansas city chiefs defense nick what oh you didn't give the score what's the score oh geez i don't know um uh, uh 27 24 all right nick you're up i agree that the patrick mahomes 
feet and his legs are a little bit of a worry, but at the same time, I'm just as worried as you said, Mike, about Jalen Hurts. How's that shoulder? He hasn't been forced to really win a game with his arm since he came back. So I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think uh, Mama Kelsey was right when she said, hopefully it's one of the higher scoring Super Bowls in history. I think it's probably going to be that way. Um, but I, I really feel for some reason that the Kansas City Chiefs, when it all comes down to it, would I rather have a quarterback who has a leg issue or a throwing arm issue? And I think I would rather take the leg issue, especially when you saw what Mahomes was still able to do against the Cincinnati Bengals defense. So I'm probably going to stick with the uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited for the halftime show uh, specifically. But I think the Kansas City Chiefs take this one and Mahomes gets his second. What What's the final score? 35-31. 35-31. Uh, I kind of agree with both of you. I think this is going to be a close game. Personally, I trust the trenches. And we saw what Chris Jones looks like, looked like in the AFC Championship game. It's a little terrifying. Patrick Mahomes got another few weeks to hopefully heal his ankle. Uh, the Chiefs, they've been here. They've done it. And yes, the Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl a few years ago. But at the same time, I think having that experience helps Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City team, even though they do have a lot of young rookies who are starting for them, even on the defense side but I'm going Philadelphia Eagles I, I want to see Philadelphia win this game I want to see a J this is me being biased I want to see a Jason Kelsey Super Bowl parade I love everything about that guy and maybe he does retire and call it a career after this game um I, I like their trenches on both sides of the ball and I think they'll be able to get to him the thing is I don't think it's going to be a great game by Jalen Hurts um I know you mentioned already with the shoulder and that's definitely something that you could see in the NFC championship game I think it's going to be uh, MVP on the running back side, too. That's my hot take. I uh, want to give Jay Morrison credit. I want to say it's been 20, 25 years since a running back has won MVP in the Super Bowl. And I'm going I'm going all the hot takes you can possibly go. And I'm actually going to say this game is going to be 27-23 because I still believe in both defenses. Uh, I, I hope out of a Super Bowl we're seeing just scoring like crazy. But I just believe in the trenches of the Philadelphia Eagles, even though I do think it's going to be a close game. And the thing is, I wouldn't be surprised if the Kansas City Chiefs were able to pull this one off too. Uh, a weird Super Bowl MVP pick that I could see would be Hassan Reddick, who has forced a lot of fumbles and a lot of strip sacks. So if Hertz doesn't play well, which I think we're all kind of a little weary about mm -hmm. that, I think the, the Eagles just use that running back by committee. So I don't know if a running back will have a big enough game. Who knows? Maybe Miles Sanders runs one for 80 yards and a touchdown and then ends the game with 120 yards and maybe even two touchdowns. Now you're like, well, yeah, he wins. But if they do go full committee and Boston Scott has a touchdown and Sanders has a touchdown and Kenny Gainwell has a touchdown. Now it becomes difficult. Which running back do you pick? You might just move to the defensive side, right? Uh, well, Hassan Reddick has, I think quite an advantage over either of these chiefs offensive tackles, but he usually plays over the right tackle, which is Andrew Wiley. I think you could see a strip sack. And when you're talking about big defensive plays, especially if my hopes can't move that well, that's what we're looking at. And they have the ability to push that interior of the chief offensive line a little bit, with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, probably not a lot because those guys are very good. Eagles guys are very good too. I think it's going to be a good battle in there, but I just think the Eagles have the advantage on the outside when you talk about Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, and um, Brandon Graham. And if you think about which one of those guys can make the biggest impact, it would be Hassan Reddick because he's done such a good job at getting strip sacks, which this is all insane. If you would have asked somebody like three or four years ago, could Hassan Reddick win a Super Bowl MVP? He'd be like, no, he's a bad linebacker. Then he moves to edge and is like, yeah, he's an awesome edge rusher. He gets a lot of strip sacks. He gets a lot of sacks. He's great. My hot take is I feel like the Eagles can be right back here next year. I mean, you look at that. I don't mean anything's possible. I'm saying this about two days before the Super Bowl starts. Uh, but I, I, the NFC is not strong, and I feel like that they could run it back next year too on the NFC side. I don't know if they'd win it and if they're going to win it on Sunday, but I feel optimistic about it. I, I just like the way that they played most of the season, and, and hopefully Jalen is good, and, and hopefully Patrick is too. Uh, you want to see two quarterbacks battle it out, and, and maybe having those few extra weeks will help both of them. Uh, my important question that I have for you guys, what color is good? What color is the Gatorade? Ooh, I actually have what I think is like some insider information. Really, it's not. It's just me joking around. But I went to Giant the other day at a grocery shop. There was a Super Bowl end cap for Gatorade. The only color of Gatorade they had was yellow. So that's Ooh. where I'm placing my money. It was a sign. 
Yellow's a good Gatorade flavor. Ramen. Wow, you know you don't think so? Ooh, I like uh, the blue color. Blue is obviously the best. Cool yeah. blue. Yeah, it was cool last blue. year's color. Yeah, wow. I think uh, I think I like the yellow call because it's also a little bit green. So Philly might you know <laughs> might do that. Um, not red. Red's just a bad Gatorade flavor and a bad. It, it would make a fun color for the Chiefs, but I don't think they would go red. So I think they'd go cool blue. But I think the Eagles win. So I will stick with Nick with the yellowish, greenish lemon lime. But also I, the Chiefs' end zone is yellow, so could yeah, go either way. Could go either way. It's it's going to be orange for the Chiefs because they had orange when they won the last Super Bowl, and I think oh. you have to stick with it and go go orange. What if they'd used that for the Bucks Super Bowl and then mm. they lost? Now I need to know what they use for the. Maybe they don't go orange. Uh, but now I'm all in. Now I have to watch the Super Bowl to see what happens at the very end and what color uh, they're going to get poured on the head coach. So yeah, to be determined. Honestly, I think it's going to be a good game. Hopefully, it is. Uh, I hate that football season's over. That's the worst part about Super Bowl weekend. What, uh, what song does Rihanna open with? Umbrella. That's yeah, an opener. Could be. I mean, you can see her popping up out of the stage, and then who's going to be our special guest? That I have no idea. Um, what if it's, like, off the wall? I feel like the easy guess is to just say Beyonce because she's done it, like, five times as the guest to just show up. I don't think it will, though. I, don't, I think there's a little bit of rivalry there. Um, uh, who has she done songs with? that aren't problematic now. <laughs> I think it's going to be Taylor Jay-Z. Swift. It could be Jay-Z, right? Because he was on Umbrella. Yeah. Maybe it's Taylor Swift because Taylor didn't want to do it in the beginning and then Rihanna stepped up and she's doing that halftime performance. You think today. Taylor Swift's going to go out there and do everything and not make the money? I mean, she has to get some kind of check. Maybe, yeah. I mean, she's writing her some kind of check before the game. Uh, no, I'm, that's a definite. I'm going hot take all the way. I'm going Orange Gatorade. Taylor's coming out at halftime. We'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens. But I love Rihanna, so that's going to be an awesome halftime performance. But Nick, you are busy. Not only are you the producer behind the scenes, you have a lot going on. Where can uh, fans find you? They can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore Berlansky. If you like a lot of Pittsburgh Penguins takes, uh, that's where I house most of those. And I try to put out bets, but I'm not very good at hitting them so you can always go to the opposite of what i put out and you'll probably make yourself some money uh he won me like 35 dollars on an nba parlay so definitely he said damian lillard wouldn't play and then damian lillard still dropped 50 points but the Cavs still covered so who cares what that matters That's it's not we're... about the process it's about the result when it comes to betting it's exactly the $30 I won that night. Uh, you can also follow Bengals underscore Sands. I know he's breaking it all down. Pre-agency right around the corner. NFL draft. Plenty of video. What's up on all Bengals this week? Oh, man. I uh, I think I'm eventually going to write a whole thing on B. John Robinson. I'm just going to make the case for him at 28. and Why it's, I don't think, a terrible pick. Even though I think people are just like, no running backs in the first round ever. And, yeah, I don't know. He's the guy. He's the guy. I don't think he's a bad pick to get first round talent there, but I'll do a lot more nuanced discussion in an article. I mean, if he's Christian McCaffrey, then I'm all for it. Bring it on. Add another weapon for this offense. So I'm all game. Make sure you check it out. All Bengals. Follow him on Twitter. Bengals underscore Sand. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you as always for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.